Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Before we get to our message today, it's the final message in this series, The Last Words of Jesus from the Cross. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had someone who just, you know, they just talk really fast? And, and they start telling you a story, but most often they're so fast and their mind is moving faster than their mouth and they start telling you a story in the middle of a story. How many of you have one of those people that are with you? Point at them right now, okay? And, and when they tell you something and they're telling you so fast that, that they tell you in the middle of a story, you usually find out that somehow the story doesn't make because they didn't begin at the start of the story. I believe that probably the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is one of those most misunderstood things. You might wonder why, why was the horrible death of Jesus on the cross so necessary? Wasn't there another way for God to bring salvation and forgiveness and restored relationship between God and man back to the world? But to truly understand the cross, you have to understand the beginning of the story. In the beginning. So let me ask you a question. Why did God create us in the beginning? And while you're thinking about that, let me ask you a question that I know you can answer, even if you can't answer that one. If you don't know why God created you, hopefully you know this one. How many parents do you have here? Wherever here, raise your Okay. How many of you have more than two children, raise your hand. When you have more than two, you start playing zone defense. Okay, until they outnumber you, you know. How many of you have one child? Raise your hand. Shut up, you don't know anything. Put your hand down. Okay, it, it, you, you got two on one. You outnumber them. When they start outnumbering you, come on, parents. So let me ask you a question. Why did you choose to have children? I know some of y'all are saying, well, Pastor, I, I didn't want children. I wanted her, and that just, that just happened. I didn't say, how did you have children? I said, why did you have children? You know, I know that some of y'all will go, well, you know, my mom looked at me, my dad looked at me, and they go, we planned you and you and you, but now you, you was an accident. And I always, y'all love my same line, I always want those kids to jump up and say, you know what, so are you. I was supposed to be born to the rich family in River Lanch. I don't know how I got stuck at a trailer in Dusan. <laughs> how did I end up in Opelousas? I was supposed to be born in Sugar Mill Pond. So well, why did God create us? Because I think it's a, it's, it's a much easier answer than you might believe. Because every good mom and dad, every good parent, why did you choose to have children? It's for the same reason that God created you. That's right. It's simple, easy, and obvious. God created us because he wanted someone to share his great life with. As a matter of fact, because he's God, he could do that. You see, if you really are a good parent, you realize it's not about you. It's not about you. 
And that the greatest joy, you can have a nice house, you can have nice property, you can have a good income, but life doesn't really become what it was intended to be until you begin to share it with others. Let me give you another way of saying that. You were created for relationship. You were created for friendship. You were created for intimacy. Say that with me. I was created for relationship. See, when you, when you understand that, and, and I'll just, on the way, do a little parenting moment here. You, you have to understand that the height of parenting, when done right, ends up being friendship. I hope you don't think that's what it's about while you're raising your children. Because your children have a lot of friends. They need a parent. Okay. Let me say it again to some of you parents who are going, really? I just want to be Lulu's best friend. Lulu's going to have a lot of best friends through the course of her life. Jimmy's going to have a lot of best friends over the course of his life, but he's only got one mama and one daddy, one set of parents. Be the parent. If you do that right one day, they will want to be your, they will want to be your friend. You, you, you know, isn't it interesting how you, you go through the series of, 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 of parenting? You know, first part of parenting is you, you, you have children, you think, oh, when am I going to be able to sleep through the night? I remember that. Okay. Then the second step is, man, when are they going to get out of diapers? Okay. And then the next one is, when are they going to learn how to walk? And then the next one is, when are they going to be potty trained? And then the next one is, when are they going to go to school? And then for those of you who have children in school and in private school, you start thinking, when are they going to get out of school? And then the real height and the real apex of all parenting, when are they going to get out of my pocket and my purse? I was, I was talking, I'm trying. I, I was talking to a daddy one time. I said, well, are all your children out? He goes, yeah, but they're not out of where I wanted to be out of. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I want them out of my pocket. And, and then the final goal of parenting, actually when you do it right, is your children want to be your friends. Now, I, please don't think bad of your pastor, I kicked three of my children out of the house. And they became pastors. So maybe the key, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know. It may be stats. I'm just telling you what happened. Then, watch this, then they, they got married, and then they, then, then you know, Michelle and I started doing, calling them, hey, what y'all doing tonight? Why? Well, why don't y'all come over? Y'all want steaks? Daddy will buy steaks and grill steaks. Mama will make a etouffee. Y'all want to go to crawfish time? I mean, well, I mean, come on. And now these children that I couldn't wait to get out? Now I can't wait to get them back because the ultimate goal of parenting is friendship, it's relationship, it's intimacy. When you see life right, you don't see it through the lens of just the law. See, if all you see it is through the lens of the law, you think all God wants is obedience. 
That's like thinking all you want your mate to do is be faithful. Like if you wake up in the morning, you go, you better be faithful today. It's like, I'm glad you said that. I was this close. (laughs) You don't want them to be faithful. You want them to love you. You want relationship. You want intimacy. And everybody said, man, you're getting real quiet. I gave you a chance there. I gave you your moment. You got to wait till Father's Day now. See, you will never understand the cross until you understand the true reason why you were created. You and me were created for intimacy with God and then with those we love. We were created for relationship with the most wonderful person in the universe, God, the Father, Jesus, His Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then relationship with other significant people in our life. Haven't we seen clearly with the grand experiment of the world what happened B.C.? Remember B.C.? Before COVID? Remember B.C.? And then remember A.C. after COVID? Between 2020 and 2022, the entire world found out what happens when you are living in fear, which means you're isolated from God and you're isolated from people. Do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? Isolation from God and man is hell on earth. Do you know, and I don't know if you've read the statistics, I do stuff like this because it empowers me and equips me to teach God's word to you. Do you know that there has never been the death rate that we've had among working, healthy people since a world war? Since a world war. Highest suicide rates. Highest overdose Rates, highest addiction races, abuse, mental illness, and mental anguish. Why? Because you were never created to live isolated. You were created for relationship. And distortions and addictions come when we suffer from a lack of relational intimacy with God and others. How many of us here today are hurting because we are in a relational deficit with God? or relational deficit with someone else that we love. Is it making sense now? So no, you can't honestly say, I don't need anybody. I'm fine. I can do it on my own. No, you can't. Isolation from God and people is a preview of the hell that is to come. That's a lie that we use to cover up relational deficit that you were created with to only be filled by God by walking in right relationship with him and with right relationship with others. God calls that righteousness. As Haddon loves to remind me, the word righteousness means to be restored back to what you were originally created to be. You were originally created to have fellowship and intimacy with God. When God created his children, he put them in his backyard. He created for them with all its treasure and toys to enjoy and explore. It was called earth. The only necessary thing to stay in this paradise was to stay in relationship and intimacy with God the Father. So when Adam and Eve chose not to trust their wonderful Father and instead chose disobedience, it brought not only spiritual death to them, listen carefully to me, Mom and Dad, it brought spiritual death to everyone. 
The greatest lie the enemy has ever told anyone is your choices only affect you and no one else. That's actually what's wrong with our culture and our country today. Every decision you make affects other people around you. Ask anyone whose parents went through a divorce. Ask anyone who ever stood by and watched someone take advantage of. Ask anyone who's ever made some horrible choice they thought was just going to affect them and no one else. No, every decision we make, as we learn from Adam and Eve, affects people for generations to come. Along with this eternal separation from God, God's grand dream of sharing his great life with man was destroyed. Man was separated spiritually from God and spiritually died. And Adam and Eve's own offspring would now choose death themselves as Cain, their son, would kill his brother Abel. To cover man's nakedness in the garden when he fell, God saw him with fig leaves. Go ahead, say ouch. That was before Boudreaux's. And he looked at him and, and instead of the fig leaves, he, he went and he killed an animal and shed its blood to cover them with the skins, which would be a picture of what man would do to try to attempt to cover his sin for all of history. Hebrews 9.22 says it like this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. These sacrifices took place every time man sinned and was a haunting reminder that no matter how much he wanted to, he was broken in relationship and intimacy with God and it would always never be enough. Every sacrifice would never be enough. Every sin would only lead once again to another sin and it would never be enough. Always never enough. Hebrews ten eleven says it like this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties again and again. He offers the same, which can never took away sins. Never. No sacrifice would ever be enough to restore the relationship and intimacy that he lost with God in the garden. That sacrifice would continue to go on and on and on. No sacrifice was enough. Let me break it down for you. No penance would ever be enough. It would always be not enough. I would sacrifice, but not enough. I read my Bible, but not enough. I pray, but not enough. I share, but not enough. You ever feel that way? I pray, but not enough. I read my Bible, but, but not enough. I love God, but, but not enough. Always saying, no matter what you did, it was never finished. There was always be a need for more. It's never finished. It's not enough. Until 2,000 years ago on the cross, when Jesus spoke, Three powerful words. In John 19, 30, it says this. And when Jesus had received the drink, Jesus said, say it loud with me. It is what? It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. What was finished? What does that mean for you and me as born again, blood washed, spirit filled children of God? Number one, it means three things. Number one, Jesus was enough. Say that with me. Jesus was not another cow, not another lamb, not another goat, not another bird to be sacrificed. Jesus was enough. Hebrews 10, 14 says it like this. Let's read it together. And by his blood, 
one sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and Okay, was Jesus perfectly holy? Was Jesus perfectly holy? Then so are you. Let me read it one more time. For by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us. Was he the perfect sacrifice? Then you're perfectly holy. Was he the perfect sacrifice? Then you are perfectly holy. Was he the perfect sacrifice? Then you were perfectly holy. Was he the perfect sacrifice? Then you were perfectly holy. And every time you act like you're not, you're not accepting the fact that he was the perfect sacrifice, Lamb of God, that took away the sins of the whole world. Because he was the perfect sacrifice, he was enough. And because he was enough, I am enough. I just got the free songs. Or I hit myself so hard I felt the results. <laughs> Look at me. Say this with me. Because he was enough, I am enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. It's not pray more. It's not give more. Is it? He was enough. Like, like on your best day, trying to be your best. It'd be like you jumping to touch the ceiling. You could train. You could lose weight. You could get on one of those diets like Slim Slow, and you could do all of that. And you, some days you might jump higher, but you would never be good enough to reach the ceiling. And that's why he came down through the ceiling to us, because we couldn't be enough. He was enough. I can never say again as a born-again, blood-washed child of God, I'm not enough. Because Jesus was the final sin sacrifice as John looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Past, present, and future. Do you know when, when, when Jesus died on the cross and it went dark, something happened that's significant for you to know. Some of you wonder, why do people confess sin to pastors or to priests? Why do people feel like they have to give or to light candles or to pay for something? I, I want to I show you. Because in the Old Testament, when you sinned, you would come and you would bring an animal sacrifice. Depending on what you could do. Remember when Jesus turned over all the tables at the beginning of the temple because he was mad? Remember that? Do you know why he did that? He didn't do that because they were selling animals. He did that because they were charging exorbitant fees because people would go to sacrifice and they couldn't bring like a dove with them to sacrifice, so they'd buy one there. So it was kind of like buying at Whole Foods. <laughs> like what you could normally buy at Costco for a dollar cost $20. I'm just joking, kind of. <laughs> okay. it, 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 it's just, it was more. And so they would have to take that and they would buy that animal and they would go and offer it to the priest depending on what sin they'd committed and they would offer it to the priest and the priest would take it and he would sacrifice it in the outer court, an outer area. Just sacrifice. They just, that's what they did all day long. People came, I've sinned, they took their animals, they sacrificed them. 
And then once a year, there was a place on the inside called the Holy of Holies. And there in this side, it was a huge tent, circle like this, thick, probably 30 feet tall, and this thick curtain, and it in there was the presence of God. And once a year, the high priest would go in, and he had this robe on with bells all over the bottom, and he would go in. First, he'd sacrifice for his sins, and then he'd go into the Holy of Holies, and there was a big seat there called the mercy seat, and he would take a lamb and a goat. And with a goat, he would take and put his hands on the goat and confess the sins of the people, and then he would release it to run out, and that was called the scapegoat. That's where the term scapegoat comes from. And then he would take the lamb without spot or without blemish, and he would sacrifice it and pour its blood out there before the mercy seat for all the sins of all the people. But do you know what happened when Jesus said it's finished? That curtain tore from the top all the way down through the bottom, and it was ripped open by God. And God said, no longer will I live in a temple dwell." a temple made with man's hands, but now you will be my temple. I won't live in a building. I will now live inside of your hearts. Here's the second thing that it means. It means Jesus was enough, so I'm enough. Here's the second thing it means. All Adam and Eve lost in the garden, Jesus restored back to us at the cross. All Adam and Eve lost in the garden, Jesus restored back to us, plus more. Romans 5, 17 says it like this. Death once held us in its, but now by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over all humanity. Let me, let me tell you what happened when death came in, when Adam and Eve sinned. Fear, guilt, and shame came, and it brought condemnation. Fear, guilt, and fear. And, and that lived on the back of man, and man would live from that point on. The man that was created to live forever would now live in fear of death and would be constantly tormented by fear and guilt and shame. It reigned as king. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue as, hold it, he, death is no longer king. Shame is no longer king. Guilt is no longer king. Fear is no longer king. Guess who the kings are now? Us. Why? Because we're kings with Jesus. We're priests and kings to God. That means from now on, I don't have to go to another person to confess my sin because the sacrifice has already been made. The veil was torn in two, and now I can go straight to God myself. I don't have to go through somebody else. We continue to reign as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the, the what? The what? Do you earn a gift? Do you buy a gift? All you do is receive a gift. Look at me. The perfect gift of being back recreated to what you were supposed to be from the very beginning. Right relationship with God and right relationship with people. 
That's what you were created with from the beginning. Death was king with fear, guilt, and shame on our back. But because of Jesus, we're no longer in the grip of death with death ruling as king. We are now in the grip of grace ruling as priests and kings. Through all this happens through the gift, through the gift of perfect right relationship with God and people in one and only, one and only, come on, speak that name, one and only, the Messiah. The moment I received Jesus, sin is forgiven and his righteousness is given to me. The moment I say, Jesus, come into my life, I go from spiritual death to spiritual life. My sins are forgiven past, present, and future, and I am given the gift of a right relationship with God for the rest of my life. Now, I know it's kind of hard for us to see this. Let me, let me just give you a little, it's a pale example, but it's the best one. How many of you had friends that you've known most of your life? Raise your hand. Okay. If you're 10, keep your hand down. You didn't even live life. Okay, if you're 13, shut up. You don't even shave yet. Just put your hand down. Okay, but all of us know somebody who, 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 like, you've known all your life. You did all your crazy stuff with them and all that, you know. And then they have a mama or a mama that just worships them. How many of you got a mama or a mama that just worships you? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you would like a mama or a mama that worshiped you? Okay. Watch this. And maybe it's a dad. And, and you ask, you know, you're talking about, you know, tell me about Jimmy when he was being raised. Jimmy was perfect. <laughs> Jimmy never did a thing wrong his whole life. And instantly through your mind, you're going back to Jimmy drunk, throwing up at the crawfish festival in Broome Ridge. <laughs> Him stuck drinking in a field in Dusan. I mean, him at the sunset, <laughs> instantly you're going through all of these memories and this mama or mama or daddy is going, Jimmy is perfect. You go, are we talking about the same Jimmy? <laughs> you know, there was, a, <laughs> there, was a, there was a preacher that went to preach, a terrible person was being buried and somebody grabbed him before and they said, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't normally do this, but I know this guy's a terrible person. Could you just say something good about him? And he... <laughs> Handed him $300. Priest walked out and he just said, listen, we're here. This man was a good man. He was a good father. He did everything good that he could. And Mama was sitting on the front row next to her son. She said, son, get up and go see if that's your daddy laying there. <laughs> Why do people say they never gave me a day's trouble? Why do people say they've always been perfect? Because they see them through the eyes. And do you know who is love? And do you know how he sees you? No, he doesn't. He sees you through the eyes of Jesus, the one he loves the most. <sighs> he sees us through the one he loves the most. He sees us through the one he loves the most. His perfect sacrifice that 
makes me perfect in his eyes. You know what's so amazing about God? It's so amazing. All of us live with the fear. I don't care who you are. You can say you don't. You're lying. All of us live with the fear. How many of you have done some stuff you're ashamed of in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have done some stuff you don't want anybody to know? Raise your hand. What was it? No. <laughs> Look at me. Do, do you know, you know why we don't want anyone to know? Because here's what you think. If you really knew who it was, if you really knew what I'd done, you wouldn't like me. Forget love, you wouldn't even like me. You know what's so wonderful about God? He is the only one who knows everything you did everything you wanted to do, everything that you were going to do, but he stopped you. He's the only one who knows everything good, bad, horrible, and wonderful about you, and he is still the one who loves us the most. He's still the one that loves us the most. Here's the third thing. To all Adam and Eve lost in the garden, Jesus restored. Relationship was restored. Intimacy was restored. And then to his words, it is the Greek word that Jesus spoke New Testament's written in is the word tetelestai. Tetelestai. And it's interesting because that, that's what he said. It's finished. Tetelestai. They've recently found papyra, which is what was written on, like leaves, scrolls, and they found receipts from people who had paid for something and stamped on the receipt was to tell us that. Paid in full. Paid in full. What was Jesus saying? No more doves. No more goats. No more lambs. No more not enough. Because I am enough. It's finished. It's finished. You will never not be enough ever again because I am enough. It's finished. Now let's read this passage and close. Colossians 2, 13. Paul describes what happened. The realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sins, but now we have been resurrected out of the realm of Never to, for we are forever alive and of all of our sins. Say that one more time. All of our, he canceled every legal violation we had on our record 
And that old arrest warrant that stood out to indict us. Some of you need to claim this in jail. He erased it. All of our sins for our stained soul. He never to be retreated again. In all that it cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam, he placed onto his and nailed it permanently there as a public display of paid in full to tell us die. Then Jesus, after he did that, he did something else. He made a public spectacle of all the powers and, and stripping from them every fear, guilt, shame, their weapon, death, and all their spiritual and power too. You're not good enough. You're never enough. You're too ugly. You're not smart. You'll never be able to be what God wants you to be. Why would he love you? He took away the power to accuse us by the power of the... And then he said, that's what he did for us. Now let me tell you what he did to them. Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of, and he was not their prisoner. What does that mean for us? When you went out to battle during biblical times, what they would do is, if you conquered and you won, you would come and you would bring back the slaves the people that had fought you that were now not against you, but they were slaves to you, you would bring back their money. That means you, that means you, that means you. But what does it mean to be more than a conqueror that the Bible uses right here? It means that you did that plus you brought back their king. You stripped him naked. You poked out his eyes so that he could never see or never lead again. And you chained him up and you brought him and drug him in front of all of your people to say, not only are we conquerors, we have stripped him of his power to lead. We have defeated him and taken all of his wealth. We've taken all that was under his control. And now we are not only conquerors, but we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The liar has been exposed. The condemner has been condemned. The shamer has been put to shame. The power of death has been defeated. The fear of death has been defeated. Fear, guilt, shame, no more have power over the child of God. That's why Paul said, who faced death so many times, death, where is your sting? Everybody was afraid of you. But where's your sting now? Where's the power of shame now? Where's the power of guilt now? That which had its foot on our back, we now have our foot on its back. Paraded before us, eyes removed, stripped naked, bound in chains. This is what Jesus did at the cross to Satan, the one who separated us in relationship and intimacy and friendship from our Father. Look at me. It's finished. Pastor, you think I'm good? It's finished. 
Will it ever be like it was before? No, it will be better. It will be back what God originally intended it to be from the very beginning. This is such a revelation to me. I understand the theology of it now as a young Christian living in my mama's bar. Pictured of unclothed women on the walls. Prostitutes working there. Profanity, alcohol, drugs, immorality all around me. And I would always wonder to myself, how can I be in here but not be up here? How can I be around this and this not be in me? Do you know why? It is finished. It is finished. Today, look right here, child of God. You're not enough. You're more than enough. You're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. There is nothing you could do that would ever make God stop loving you. There's no sin that you could ever commit. Yes, there's no sin you could ever commit that would make God stop loving you and caring for you and wanting you and desiring you and wanting to be in intimate relationship with you because that's why he created you. And do you know what he did to everything that would keep you from that? He paid full price and told you, it's finished. That can never bother you again. Never. Would you bow your head with me? As I was reading that verse, sin stained. There's some here that have walked through experiences in your life. And it's not just been for you a sin, it's been a stain. A stain. It's one that the accuser has come back and used you over and over and over again to use against you like a speed bump. Every time you start making some progress, these speed bumps come and it's the stain of your past. And today, Jesus is telling you by the Holy Spirit to tell us die. It's finished. So Father, right now, I pray for every one of your precious children the ones who you long to know, the ones who you long to love, the ones who you long to be intimate with. You paid for it all. It's finished. Right now, just take a deep breath. Jesus, Holy Spirit, remove the stain. Let them see now in the spirit which you've already done for them at the cross. Let them see what you've already done for them at the cross. What you've already done for them at the cross. Guilt is finished. Same is finished. Fear is finished. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Just under your breath, because the Holy Spirit's speaking to many people, both here and those watching online. Just whisper, I receive that. 
I receive that. I receive that. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they died spiritually. And that relationship, there would always be a yearning for intimacy with God that would never be met. So Jesus said, it's finished. Today, the moment you receive that, his sin sacrificed by faith, and you turn completely to him, that moment you become spiritually alive, and the same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead comes and raises you from the spiritually dead. And to tell us that happens, the past is finished. That's called being born again. Jesus said to a religious leader named Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Is that enough? That's a good start, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. That's what it begins. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to be born again today. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know his love that's always pursued me and never quit. Even when I quit, he didn't. Even when I said I wasn't enough, he said you are more than enough because of me. Today, I want to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. So if that's you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I want to be born again. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand high and put it back down, and I'm going to pray for you right at your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you right at your seat, right where you are. One, God brought you here. Nothing's an accident. Two, he has been pursuing you all of your life to bring you back to the relationship with him you've always wanted and the vacuum that's there that he alone can fill. And now's your time. Today's your day to come and surrender to Jesus. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, I'm just going to pray for you right where you are. One, two, keep it high. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Anywhere else? Fourteen. Anywhere else? Fifteen. Sixteen. Seventeen. Eighteen. Okay. Last 10 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 18, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know God is talking to me. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. Raise it and wave it at me right now and join these 18. Just wave it at me. I'm asking this last time for you. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Okay. At church, let's pray out loud with all those that raise your hand. We're going to join you right now in this prayer for you to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I bleed on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you defeated hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven. 
a purpose on earth, and a restored relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm born again. In Jesus' name, amen.